0: Achilles is. He doesn't go running into battle trying to fight everything that he can and really this is this prevents him from a fatal flaw and all these virtues prevent him from having a fatal flaw. Patrocles is too courageous. He tries to push on too far which ends up leading to him being killed. Agamemnon's too prideful and too vain and can't accept the loss of Croes, which honestly creates the entire plot of the Iliad. If Agamemnon had just been able to let it go, none of this rage, none of this killing would have ever happened. And who knows, Patroclus might have still been alive today. Achilles is too rash and daring. He's too angry-filled and just lets that take over everything that he does. Hector is too boastful. He says that he can kill Achilles, but ends up not being able to. And these are all fatal flaws that end up causing these heroes to die, which Diomedes doesn't have. Diomedes is able to find that mean in between the excess and the deficiencies in all the virtues that I've mentioned, and do this, he's able to... Hi, and welcome back to Who Be The Heroes. I'm your host today, Austin, and today we're going to be talking about Diomedes. So before I even started the Iliad, I had a rough idea of who the main characters were. I had heard of Achilles, I had heard of Hector... Agamemnon was on the list too, and of course, Odysseus. So reading through, I always expected them to have the greatest moments and the best and shining moments. Then I hit book five and started reading about Diomedes. And he had, in my opinion, one of the greatest Dereistias of the book. And he wasn't even mentioned in further scholarship. Not even further scholarship, but just in what I had heard about the Iliad. So this started raising a few questions about me. About who he was and why he wasn't really talked about. And honestly, I never found out why no one talks about him. To this day, especially after doing more research, I think of him as the greatest hero in the Iliad. And that's for many reasons. But back in our first podcast, we were talking about who is a hero and what makes a hero. And we ended up deciding that there were a couple conditions and it depended on what culture you were looking at it from. So, on one hand, the Greeks valued aggression, and as Michael Clark, one of my sources mentioned, they valued aggressiveness and being like a lion almost and ruthless and being able to attack wow. Well. And this goes back to the idea of kleos and glory and finding that glory in war. That's really what they prided. But there's also the modern virtuous, more compassionate form. And Diomedes displays this Greek sense perfectly, but he also shows some glimpses in the modern form, which I'll get to later, which makes him the true hero. There's a part of Madeline's definition of a hero that Diomedes doesn't exactly fit with, and that's that he has divine ancestry. Diomedes does not have any divine ancestry of what we know of, but he does have his father, Tydeus, who he has compared to many times. And as one of my sources... Zoe Stimoptapalou mentions he's mainly shown to be in the shadow of his father. So when Agamemnon, in Book 4, lines 447, it begins, he tries to rile up Diomedes and tries to get him to go fight well. And he compares him to his father. And he says that Diomedes is living in the shadow of his father, essentially. And he's not going to be as great of a warrior as his father. He's never really going to live up to him. Which Diomedes does take he just takes the reprimand and ends up having a great aristia which we'll have later but i would argue that diomedes actually outpaces tydeus and is better than him because diomedes is given a great aristia by athena and due to this he's given an entire book in the Iliad, and he's really given the immortal glory of cleos which is one of the greatest marks of a hero everyone who reads the Iliad, is going to remember Diomedes. And he ends up being a Theomachos, which my one source Zoe mentions is a god-wunder. And Titius isn't proven to have that. We don't see anywhere that he does. And due to Athena's giving of her greatness to Diomedes, he's able to really outpace Titius and become greater than him, which is His first mark of a hero is, even though he doesn't have divine ancestry, he has a great father who even he is able to outpace. So once we start getting into Diomedes' Aristia himself, it's very interesting about his character development and his build-up. So when Diomedes starts his Aristia back on Book 4, lines 440 to 508, King Agamemnon chastises him. This is what I mentioned before, where he's saying that he isn't as great as his father, and he tries to rile him up. So Diomedes, that's his first instance of being ready to fight. So book five begins with the line stating, Now Diomedes' hour for great action came to tower mid-Argives to win glory. This is really foreshadowing what's about to come. And once we get into it, he kills Phageus only a few lines later, which isn't that great, because he only kills one man, that happens a lot in the Iliad, and soon he's shot by Pandros. and as my source Zoe says, it seems that his Aristia is over already, which is something that I picked up on even before reading the sources back in the discussion posts. So then as I started reading, and I realized it, that Diomedes Aristia is a build-up, it's a pyramid, so it starts kind of getting knocked down at first when he's hit by Pandaros. But then he elevates it. He's warned by Stethanos to not engage Pandaros, but instead Diomedes overcomes this and kills Pandaros with a perfectly thrown spear. So the doubt placed by Stethanos elevates Diomedes' abilities to an even greater level. So after this, with Athena, Diomedes goes and ends up slicing Aphrodite's palm which is showing that he's power enough to even harm a god. Now, Athena was helping him, but we'll get into that later about how Athena chose him out of all the fighters to be a Theomachos. So after slicing Aphrodite, he attacks Apollo, who is a greater warrior than Aphrodite, and he doesn't end up hurting him. And Apollo actually yells at Diomedes. Diomedes takes a couple steps back, it says... And he checks himself. He stops fighting. And then, finally, it comes to the scene with Ares. Ares is the god of war. He's the greatest warrior of the gods. And he symbolizes war and the brutality itself. So, for Diomedes to harm, essentially, war itself, is saying that he championed over war and is the greatest fighter. Because nobody else has been able, that we've heard of, to harm even one god. Make it two, one of them being the greatest gods of war. So this really elevates Diomedes to a higher level and gives him the, great, the Greek version of a hero that is the strong fighter and the willing fighter and the one who can take down even the greatest of enemies. So some might argue that even that since he was carried by Athena kind of, it was Athena that gave him the power to wound Aphrodite. it was actually Athena that stabbed Ares. That could take away from Diomedes' heroism, but that's not true at all. According, again, to my source, Zoe Stemopropoulou, Athena chose Diomedes for a reason, out of all the other characters in the Iliad, to give him Aristia, and she knows that he's not going to overstep his bounds. He's not as ruthless as in Achilles. He's not going to go and try to vie with the gods themselves so an example of this is when she tries to chastise him for not being in war after he had tried to hit apollo so she says why aren't you fighting essentially and this happens in book five towards the end on line 929 and he replies that she said to stop after aphrodite and this just perfectly shows diomedes mental abilities too he knows when to stop and he knows when to check himself which doesn't get him into these fatal flaw situations that other heroes have been in and the same happens with Apollo Apollo tells Diomedes to back down which he does he doesn't engage Apollo anymore and he's even more cautious from then on about engaging with the gods which is just shows Diomedes trying to prevent the fatal flaw and trying to become as great as he can be while not overstepping his bounds, which ends up elevating to him to an even higher level because he does end up harming Ares. So, for example, when Achilles tries to fight Scamander back in Book 21, Achilles tries to take on Scamander himself and has this superiority complex. He mentions that he's descended from Zeus, so he believes that he can vie with the gods themselves. But Achilles is unsuccessful. He almost dies to the hands of Scamander and has to be bailed out by Hephaestus and Hera to even make it out of that fight alive. So this just goes to show that by listening to the gods, Diomedes had an extra amount of shrewdness and wherewithal to realize when to not overstep his bounds so that he doesn't get into the same situation that Achilles was in. And aside from his greatness in battle, another side of Diomedes is shown in in his speech to Glaucos in book six, beginning on line 40. So it's throughout the Iliad, it's very rare that we see a life spirit. I don't think it even happens at all. So at first I thought of this as compassion on Diomedes' part. It was showing a humanistic attitude towards him, that he does care about the other side, and he doesn't want to just ruthlessly murder everyone that he sees. But upon reading an article by Byron Harries, I see that there's an extra dimension to this that I never even realized, which really shows the cunning of Diomedes. So it begins when Diomedes asks Glaucon who he is. And this isn't just because names are important in the Iliad, which they are. There are many times where people take their name and use it as a badge of honor, really, as to who they are and to give themselves some reputation. But Diomedes doesn't use this. He's trying to make sure that Glaucon isn't a god because, like I mentioned, he knows that Apollo will strike him down if he vies with another god. So, and this is proven when Diomedes brings up the story of Lycurgos. So, in this story... Like Hergos tried to vie with Dionysus, and eventually ended up having terrible things happen to him from the gods. So as Byron mentions, it's not as much you hurt the gods, then you get hurt as well. It's more that you think that you have an advantage, but are eventually overcome. And I took this to mean that this is Diomedes calling out Glaucus in a sly way. So Glaucus thinks that he has this advantage over Diomedes because he's listing off his great heritage, his great family, all these things that should give him the advantage in a fight over Diomedes, or even just in reputation. But he ends up getting twisted, and that ends up getting flipped on its head when Diomedes ends up coming out of the Battle of Wards victorious, because Diomedes has the shrewdness also to connect what happened with their ancestors. So Diomedes' ancestor gave up a leather belt in exchange for gold from Belafronte's. So Diomedes is able to redo that exchange of gifts and give up his bronze armor to receive gold armor. And obviously, as Homer mentions, it's nine bulls worth of armor in exchange for a 100. So Diomedes obviously comes out of the victim comes out the victor here, and that's due solely to the idea that he was able to recognize the situation and, as Harry says, he recognizes the past in the way that it imposes limits on his own behaviors and defines the choices open to him. So due to that, in addition to his great fighting skills, he's able to show that he's more than just a fighting man, while he's able to navigate the confines that were placed on him by Apollo so that he doesn't repeat the same mistakes that Lycurgus made. And this makes him really a dual-threat character in a way. He's able to use his mind and body. So if you think about it, Achilles and Agamemnon don't really use their heads that much. Agamemnon has his pride, and Achilles has his rage. They're more physical hero fighters. Nestor can't use his body. He's weak and he's old, so he's only mine. The other fighter that really uses his mind and his body is Odysseus, who's mentioned as a master orator, and he's a great fighter. So I find it interesting that these two characters who have both the dyad of mind and body come together in the foray in the camp in book 10. And this is really, or both in all parts of Diomedes show through perfectly because at first he volunteers, he shows his eagerness and his willingness to fight. On line 243, when he says, Pride and excitement cause him to go, not the reward that was promised. This shows his valor and his honor. So he invokes Tidius again, and his family connection remains strong because of this. He asks him for power, and he mentions that he wants the heart of Tidius. So eventually, when he kills Dolan on line 500, when reading my classmates' discussion post I felt the same way that it seemed very ruthless. And cold-hearted of Diomedes to just slay someone in cold blood for not, for being a spy, even when they said that they would grant him clearance and that they would let him go and let him live. So this was Diomedes going back on his word, which in today's mindset is bad. We don't like people who go back on their words. But if you look at it from the Greek sense, Diomedes was actually getting ahead and this was the best thing he could have done at the time. Because as he says himself, If he would have let Dolan go, Dolan would have just came back. He would have spied again. He would have maybe even killed some men. That would have just been worse off for the Achaeans. So Diomedes was simply looking out for his side, looking out for his men and killing Dolan. And he had the foresight to recognize that if he let them go, it would come back to harm him eventually. And I mean, this is shown at the Scamander River again when Achilles kills Lycaon. This scene just justifies Diomedes killing of Dolan. Achilles let Lycaon go and he ended up coming back and tried to kill Achilles again. Not really tried to kill as much but he still could have caused great damage to the Achaean army. So even though Diomedes did not know this scene happened he had the wherewithal to recognize that something like it could. So as the foreign of the camp moves on, he meets the Thracian men on line 534. And in killing all of them, I'll admit, this isn't one of Diomedes' finest moments. He just ruthlessly kills a bunch of members of the Thracian army. And looking at it today, that might be considered a war crime. We don't know. But again, we have to look at through a cultural lens and... From his viewpoint and from those of the Greeks, this was justifiable and even honored. He comes back from the four-way to be bathed in olive oil and he ends up pouring out wine. So from his point of view and from the Greek point of view, what he did was honorable and great and heroic. He helped their army and he killed members of the other army that could have killed members of his. And... While doing this, he tries to go on even more. He tries to win himself more glory. But Athena turns him away. She says to go back to the camp if you want to live. Which he listens to. And he's allowed to rest after these great deeds. Again, he listens to the gods and he respects them. And he knows what they're saying is probably true. And since Athena's helped him before, he recognizes that she will most likely help him again. And he ends up making it back safely just in time as the other Trojans start awaking because of Apollo. And it can be hypothesized that if he had stayed there himself and hadn't listened to the gods and hadn't lost his mind and had just been ruthless and let his menace take over, he would have been dead. So really, it's Diomedes' mind that has kept him alive so far. And in his first Aristia, it was Athena that was giving him the skill and the strength to make the kills and to harm the gods. But in this four-way to the camp, it's really Diomedes' own work. He's the one that volunteered. He's the one that did it himself. And the only divine intervention was telling him to turn around, which Odysseus was doing anyways. So this was Diomedes proving himself as a hero more than what happened because of a god's help. And finally, Diomedes is able to rally others to his cause. He's even called the lord of the war Cry. At the beginning of Book 9, in line 37, he rallies the troops to fight, even when Agamemnon tries to make them leave Troy. So Diomedes, again, just proves how foresighted he truly is. He knows that they have the ability to win Troy, even when all odds are against them. And he's trying to pull them out and get them to fight again, because he knows that they will win, and he knows they will bring home gold and glory for the Achaeans. And later on in that same book, after the failed embassy to Achilles, he still wants to fight on. He knows they don't need Achilles right now. He knows that they can fight. And his predictions end up coming true. They end up eventually overrunning the walls of Troy. And that very well may not have happened if Agamemnon had got his way and Diomedes had not been able to reason with him. But throughout all these heroicisms and greatnesses, displayed by Diomedes, he's still vulnerable and he's still a human. And as my source Zoe Stemoptopoulou mentioned, he's wounded during his Aristia. Pandaros shoots him right off the bat, yet he's still able to fight well. As she mentions, this underscores his Aristia and and elevates it to an even higher level. I find it interesting that in book 11, line 423, he's shot in the heel by Paris, which is reminiscent of what Achilles. what's going to happen to Achilles. We've all heard the story about Achilles' heel and how he gets shot and dies. And Diomedes is also shot in the heel by Paris, but is able to live. And I feel that is because Diomedes respected the gods. He respected Apollo's wishes and didn't vie with any other gods. Achilles doesn't. He's very aggressive and rageful and is trying to go at the Trojans and doesn't really listen to the gods and ignores them. And due to this, Apollo's the one that actually ends up killing Achilles, but he spares Diomedes, because Diomedes listened to him and his wishes and not vying with any other gods. And furthermore, in this same scene, starting on line 459, Diomedes knows it's better to retreat than be captured by the Trojans. And... This is better than what some of the warriors did. Some of them stayed up and kept fighting, like Patroclus, for example. Even though he wasn't wounded per se, he still pushed on further than he should have, and Diomedes knew not to do that. And finally, in Book 14, Lines 146, it begins, Diomedes shows his commitment to the powers of the Achaeans and to his army, By wanting to go back in war, even though he's injured, he knows that he can rile them up. And he knows that they're losing and knows that they need to have a spur on so that they can battle more and push the Trojans back. And he's the first one to mention this. None of the other heroes do. So really, this is the second or maybe even third time that Diomedes' own actions and his own words have helped win the day for the Achaeans. And it may not have even won the day or won the battle, But it was a stepping stone to them winning the Trojan War eventually. Another part that was mentioned about heroes is that they die a hero's death, which Diomedes doesn't. And some may say this might not qualify him as much of a hero, but I tend to disagree. On his trip home, according to Nestor in the Odyssey, on book three, lines 152, it talks about how Diomedes... And Nestor sail home safely, and they make it home well, because they know not to stay back and try to pacify Athena. And while they make it home well, Odyssey and Agam- Odysseus and Agamemnon, who decided to stay back, end up having perilous times at sea. Agamemnon comes back and is killed. Odysseus doesn't make it back for another ten years. So yet again, Diomedes' knowledge really saves him and his men from a sudden demise, and from any hardships that could have befell them on their way home. And all of this about Diomedes is about the Greek view of heroes and heroism. He's strong, he's courageous, he's knowledgeable, he can win in war. But he also shows elements of the modern view of heroism as well, which is someone that's virtuous and caring and kind. And he may not be as caring and kind, but he possesses virtue. So back in Dr. Vincenzo's class, we learned about Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics and how he talked about virtue being the mean between the excesses. So you have your excess of virtue, you have your deficiency of virtue, but true virtue is found right in the middle. And Diomedes seems to possess this in multiple ways. So first of all, he's able to find the virtue of courage in battle through listening to the gods. He's not too rash. He doesn't try to push on too far like Patroclus does. And this really prevents him from having that fatal flaw. Yet he's not too cowardly either like Paris. Paris runs away, only hides behind trees and shoots from long range. And especially in his battle with Menelaus, he leaves just to go see Helen. And this can be considered very cowardly because it kept the war, the Trojan War, going on. Diomedes is able to find the middle of both, where he's not too rash and not too cowardly. He also shows honor. He doesn't have an excessive desire for honors, and he doesn't. that's not all that he goes for. Nor is he apathetic about the war and its fighting. He's able to go and fight on his own well and gain his own kleos, like in his Aristia, but he's also to, able to rile up the men and get them to have great moments as well. Finally, Diomedes is calm. He's not irritable and rash like Gain and Aristia. He's able to find that glory. He's able to come home easily. So this just shows that having the Greek idea of a hero as a great fighter and strong and mean, Diomedes shows that, but he also shows the softer side of him as well, where he's virtuous and is able to think well think on his feet, and has a great mind. And both of these come together to make Diomedes really the greatest of all the Greek heroes. And due to that, he's able to survive and make it back well. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you next time on Who Be the Heroes.